Welcome to this very special episode of 10 Times Your Creative Business. I'm Kat Fulton, your host, and I'm really excited that you're joining me here. This is a little bit about my personal story, our family's personal struggles over the past year. I wanted to share it with you because I think in sharing, it feels liberating to me as well as honoring to my family. What I want to do in this episode is I want to honor my husband, Matt. I want to honor me. I want to honor my daughter and I want to honor our entire family experience through this hardship. When I come up against a a tremendous hardship like this one, I'll get into it in a second, then I think it is very important to find meaning in that challenge. So instead of asking the question, why me, God? I'd prefer to ask the question, what is the meaning of this God? And that provides a context for me to grow personally into the next iteration of Cat, the next evolution. And that's what I want to do. That's who I want to be. That's how I want to show up. And it has been really hard for me to show up over the past year because I have been inundated inundated with lots and lots and lots of affairs to manage. But here I am, I'm doing my best to show up. So I hope that you take away two things from this. Number one is a little bit of education if you've never come across someone with early, early onset Alzheimer's. There's a difference between early onset and early stages. Big difference. Early onset means the person is young. Uh, younger than 65. Um, whereas early stages, you could be 90 years old and be in early stages of Alzheimer's. Okay, so huge difference. I think a lot of people get confused. They're trying to change language to, to call it younger onset. It's not really catching on yet, but they're trying. And then the second thing, uh, like I said, is just to put this out there, um, I did get explicit permission from my dear husband, Matt, to share this so that we could honor our family story, honor our experience. Uh, collectively as a family unit, what we're going through. My daughter is only two and a half. Um, And so that's why I'm here. That's what we're doing. Uh, Those are the two things I hope you can take away. And thanks so much for being here with me. This is Beth Yoder, my right hand at the company and someone I adore and I look up to and I respect and admire so much. Thank you so much, Beth, for interviewing me. I really, really appreciate your time and your energy and your presence. I feel like I can be really open and honest and uh, expressive around you. So thank you for holding space for me today. Always, it's an honor. So uh, what would you like to share with us today, Kat? So the story goes that 2022 was such a surprise for me and my family. Uh, Starting about a year ago, almost a year ago, uh, I started noticing some different things about my husband and the way he was uh, communicating and expressing himself uh, and certain things he would remember or not remember. And as the months went by, I started to really feel scared and lonely about these uh, symptoms. And I knew that they were kind of cognitive slips. But eventually what happened and starting in February is really when I started taking time off of work and I just stopped working in February. Um, And eventually in April, uh, it took us not very long to get a diagnosis of early onset Alzheimer's. And the irony from my perspective and through the lens I'm looking through is that, oh my gosh, I worked in dementia for 12 years in a clinical setting. Uh, what is God trying to communicate to me 
so I have gone through my own existential dilemma as well as, you know, of course, Matt has been going through his own uh, life experience and questioning inquiry over his existence as well and his life purpose. And so it really shook our family because we have a two-year-old. And so as I tell people, he's 54, I'm 43, and she's two. This is incredibly unfair. It is nothing that you would ever wish upon your worst enemy. Trust me. I'm not going to get into the details of all of the things that have happened or all the things that have thrown us completely off the tracks. Um, you know, but I will say that this disease is insidious. It disguises itself. It, it, it plays trickery on not only the person who has the condition, but also all of their loved ones. It is just pure betrayal and trickery. So if you've ever been in your family and you and maybe you've gone through a divorce or maybe you've gone through some experience and you felt betrayal and trickery, then you can probably relate to a lot of things that have happened to us. Um, so that's, um, that's the gist of what I want to share. You might know that Alzheimer's is terminal, incurable, and mostly untreatable. The treatments are not very effective. Uh, so again, I just go back to how incredibly unfair this is when it happens to a younger person, which is called younger onset or early onset then what is even less fair is that typically the progression of the disease is more is more rapid uh, than someone diagnosed in their later years. Here we are with my family, my little teeny tiny family, and, and I have literally been in um, you know survival mode since February, taking lots of time off of work just to tend to my nervous system, not to mention handle all the medical, financial, and legal affairs that go along with this very dreadful, horrible, awful disease. Yeah. And it, you know, you both are victims in this too, which I think adds another level to the, the unfairness and you, know, you both were betrayed by this. Um, and a lot of that burden then has fallen on you, as you just mentioned, you know, having to take time off of work to take care of all these things. So how has that impacted your your life yeah exactly so the interesting thing is that this disease uh, makes it to where the person impacted by the disease is um there there are things that that person can still do in life of course and as therapists we're great at pointing out people's strengths and what is possible um but as a family member impacted what I'm seeing and what I've been seeing for a long time, because you also have to understand that Alzheimer's lives in the body for 10 years pre previous to diagnosis, typically 10 years. Okay. And you just don't know what it is. And you're just wondering like, why is this happening uh, for many years? Okay. So while the responsibilities on Matt's list have dwindled pretty much almost down to zero, the responsibilities on my list as far as household and family and supporting our livelihood have not only doubled, but then tripled and then quadrupled this year, because not only am I managing everything in charge of everything, making decisions for everybody and everything, but also I'm managing this very um, scary and lonely 
diagnosis and disease. So how has it impacted my life? I, my nervous system has been in overdrive. I've had panic attack after panic attack after panic attack. I've been doing this single-handedly alone all by myself since I first noticed symptoms like a year ago. And then, but, but then before that, I have been managing a lot that I won't get into. Um, I won't get into the details, but just know that this disease is pure trickery. And you think that, you know, um, you think that you're on this path. I mean, whenever you get married, right, you have these expectations like, oh, this is what we can dream up together in the future. This is our retirement strategy, our retirement plan. Let's work together on this. Let's build a life together. That is a marriage. And it's been a little lopsided, but still full of love. I mean, we have we have nothing but love for each other, but it has been off balance for a really long time. And I haven't understood why until ah, you get the diagnosis. And then I'm looking back and I'm like, epiphany, 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 realization, realization, realization. So it is psychologically disturbing is what it is uh, for the loved ones involved. And fortunately now, his um, I, I do want to say that Matt's loving family is on board now. I think that they really didn't understand what you know, how to get involved or what was happening before August. I invited both sides of the family to a mediation where we had a professional Alzheimer's. I, I sponsored this financially to have a professional Alzheimer's educator, as well as me as a 43 year old woman, very young with a lot of big future ahead of me and a big life calling and a career and having to raise a toddler now eventually by myself. So uh, I made the case for us to get an amicable divorce so that he can qualify for the long-term care services that he needs. So if you do any digging, any digging, like even surface level digging into long-term care costs and this disease, you will understand why I'm making the decision, why after talking and spending lots of money on lawyers and consultants and so forth, why I'm making the decision that I'm making. So, um, you know, talk about panic attack and nervous system dysregulation. Wow. I've had to single-handedly get our families together to ask for a blessing in getting a divorce ultimately. Right. And fortunately, ever since August, um, his family has been open to listening to the observations that I've had for many, many years. Um, and I'm very fortunate that they're open to listening and learning and caring with me so that I don't, I mean, basically I, I don't feel as lonely and scared as I, as I did um, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July. I mean, for nine months in this past year. So I feel like I can take a little bit of a breather and pass the torch, so to speak. So I'm thankful for that. And um, I, I think the best word that I found to describe a diagnosis like this is like, there's just this graveness. There's, there's this dark darkness and heaviness, which is really graveness. I mean, this is a somber thing. Um, and then meanwhile, at the same time, 
every day we're playing with a toddler and we've got so much joy. So it's like we have this joy and this pain all at the same time, bam, you know, and, and I'm just asking God, why the intensity, why the intensity? Um, and so every day I ask why, <laughs> what is the meaning for all this intensity? Um, so one thing I like to share about Alzheimer's in the early stages, you'll hear about the firsts. This person in their early stages has all the firsts, like the first time this person um, gets a grocery list and only comes back with half of the items. Okay, the first time this person forgets their social security number or whatever, right? So the crazy thing is that while my toddler is having the first time saying I love you, the first time walking, the first time like hugging back, you know, when your baby hugs you back for the first time, oh, <laughs> it's like the sweetest feeling um, and like really grabs onto you. Um, at the same time, my husband has been having firsts and even sometimes coinciding on the same day. And so I'll journal, oh, well, today Jillian said, I love you for the first time. Uh, and meanwhile, Matt shared with me that he hopped on his bike and he forgot where he was going for the first time. Ugh, so it's a lot. It's a lot for me to hold. And, um, you know, I'm looking at Matt and then I'm looking at Jillian and I'm thinking I'm the only one who really knows what's going on around here. So that's why it's been really lonely and scary. Yeah, uh, it's not, you're balancing so many, like you said, intense, but like opposite emotions at the same time. And you've gotten it a little bit as your experience as a spouse and those emotions that have come up. And I think also it must be mentioned earlier, you're coming at it also with the perspective of a therapist who has worked in it from that angle. So I'm sure that you have perspectives and emotions and, and ways you're approaching this like you're experiencing this as so many different cats you know what i mean if that's i think uh the way it sounds um yeah absolutely and that's why i'm so exhausted all the time every day i'm so exhausted because at the same time i know i know how to speak with speak with someone who has alzheimer's i understand i i have taken the validation techniques training through naomi file i I know all about Tipa Snow. I know all about the very humanistic and loving approach. At the same time, he's my husband, okay? And I have expectations mm -hmm. and there were responsibilities that were on his plate. And so I have every right to be disappointed and sad and angry and resentful because I didn't sign for up. I didn't sign up for this. But at the same time, he didn't sign up for this either. None of us signed up for this. And it is so mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of been this, I will say, I'll be honest, the six months before diagnosis, I would shake him by the shoulders and say, what is wrong with you? What is wrong? Wake up, come on, get with the program. Uh, and um, then we got diagnosis and, or actually it was when I heard of actually the first time I knew that it was something grave was when I heard the results of his MRI, which was in March. And uh, there was global brain atrophy to where his brain volume was in the one percentile for his age. And that's when I knew, whoa, this is irreversible. This is serious. This is not good. And that's when I made 
a promise to myself that I won't be mad at him and I will stop expecting what I used to expect from him, from any husband, from any spouse that you would have. Like, cause he, he literally, there is a serious health issue going on, but it's been really hard to make that shift. And I am by no means perfect. I'm completely flawed and I have fallen from the graces many times. Um, you know, and I, and I have turned back into the wife expecting the husband, come on, like get with the program, you know, and it's, uh, it's just such a hard switch to move from spouse to caregiver, very hard. And you'll see if you're ever in part of these support groups, you know, this is why I tell my music therapy friends, like, don't go to the families to try to sell them on music therapy, unless they've had the diagnosis for a while, because right now I'm in fight or flight. I am in nervous panic attack there music therapy no Let, let's talk about getting my bill straightened out let's talk about making sure i can't even tell you <laughs> i don't even want to go into the details of the of the um you know the daily worries and daily concerns but just know it's a lot and it is tragic uh and so now i know um but at the same time yeah. So I, I'm very flawed. I've done nothing perfectly by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and this is a really tough road. So you're right. I'm, I, I understand the therapy perspective. I understand the wife perspective. And now I'm learning the caregiver perspective and um, just trying to make it so that we have legacy videos for Jillian to see of her dad you know, when she gets older, this is, this is your dad, this is who your dad is or was, or whatever the case is going to be like, you know, and, and trying to capture as many special moments as I possibly can to document it. I keep a journal for her full of all of the angels that have appeared in our life to offer help and assistance, which has been, um, like, really overwhelming and kind, but the kindness from even people who don't know me that well have um, come in to offer just to hold space for me to freak out. <laughs> um, and yeah, I've been really blessed in all that. So I have, this has been the weirdest year of my whole life. It's been devastating, tragic, and it's also been filled with so many blessings and angels and wonderful things at the same time. But um, another thing I wanted to kind of add is that I am probably way ahead of anybody else as far as um, grief and mourning and, I mean, and understanding this disease. Like, first of all, I come with this therapeutic background where I worked with dementia for 12 years. Thank God. I think it's more of a blessing than a curse, even though in the beginning I was like, this is such a curse. <laughs> But now I think it's a blessing. Actually, it's really helped me have the understanding of what dementia looks like in moderate, you know, moderate and severe stages. Um, but I'm, it's also knowing what may come has also helped me move through uh, mourning the loss of my expectations and, you know, what what we thought we were going to have as a future together and just helped me mourn that so that 
and actually the gift of solitude among humans has helped me also examine myself and deeply mourn. Um, nothing is weirder or more disturbing than feeling like you're completely alone when you're surrounded by humans that are moving and operating like normal in this physical realm and you just feel completely lonely. It is the weirdest, most psychologically disturbing feeling that I've ever had in my life. And, um, but, but fortunately it's allowed me, the solitude has allowed me to go really deep inside myself and mourn the loss of what I thought we were going to have. Um, and I know that my grieving and my mourning isn't over. It's going to continue for the rest of my life. But, um, but it also has, it also helps me know that I have a bigger, knowing that I, I'm a sovereign being. Um, I have a life purpose and a mission. And so that has also helped me become really clear about where I stand with everything that's going on in my personal life. I think that it's so important that you're here today sharing this with us because I, I hope that helps you start to feel a little less lonely, a little, a little less isolated um, in that. Um, and it's a very brave thing to do. And I know it takes a lot. And so thank you for sharing that with us and with me and being here and being vulnerable on top of everything else. Um, because yeah, no one can really fathom this experience until they're in it. No, no amount of training or reading or watching can prepare you for that. Um, and so I, I know that you're learning as you go. Um, and I know it was really important for you to come and share this today. And so if there's anything like the, the biggest thing that you've, that you've learned through all of this, that you'd want to, you know, say, say to us, you know, who are listening and, and coming alongside you in this journey, you know, if there was one thing you'd want us all to know, what would that be? Thanks for asking that question. Okay. This is something I just learned yesterday. Now, First of all, as a side note, I really learned how to ask for help and I've really learned how to tap into my resources and my friends and my support network and my therapist and, you know, turning to all sorts of helping professionals. So I, I had a phone call yesterday and this just was so mind blowing to me when she shared with me, because I said, what do I do with all this anxiety? Because I've had panic attack after panic attack. I've had the types of panic attacks where you get so much oxygen into your body because of your hyperventilating that you lose feeling in your hands. You lose feeling and mobility in your hands. Um, and this happens because of the over uh, too much oxygen in the, in the body. And you really need to like quit breathing so hard <laughs> when that happens. So like that has happened more times in a short amount of time than ever before in my life. Uh, completely losing feeling and mobility in my hands. So uh, asking her, you know, what about this anxiety? What is this anxiety all about? How can I, how do I manage this anxiety? And she says, anxiety, this is one of many, many helping professionals that I go to. Okay. So I go to all of them. I go to the logical and practical ones. I go to the woo-woo spiritual ones. So just bear with me. This is a little bit more woo-woo spiritual, a little less tangible 
a little, okay. She says, what anxiety is there? Think about, okay, put yourself into that, that calm before the storm. There is this, um, subtle energy that happens before the panic is what she says, right? There's a subtle energy. And when you go in, you've got this subtle energy and it's about to happen. When you go in to try to solve it logically, then you're literally abandoning your heart and you're just hanging out in your head and you have abandoned yourself. You've abandoned your heart. And so therefore you're trying to solve it logically and that will throw you into a panic attack faster than anything else. Because actually, if you just sink into your heart then you feel, you can feel the collect the support from the collective. You can feel the self love. You can feel the groundedness of who you are. The heart is an infinite pool of wisdom. She said, and the heart is where the truth resides. So if you're trying to like, trying to solve something logically really fast, as soon as you can, because you want to get from point A to point B and just be done with it and stop experiencing the pain, then just step back and sink back into your heart again and know that the truth is there, uh, not in your logical mind. So to me, I mean, there's a lot to, there's a lot to kind of dig through and all that, but that meant a lot to me because I've been through this over and over. I mean, I even have friends saying friends and family members saying, you know, just get on, get on anti-anxiety meds. You will thank me later. And I I even have them here. I could show you the prescriptions, but I, but I'm, I know that I feel like for myself, I would rather, I would rather approach my anxiety and my depression with meditation and with um, energy work and with exercise and with, you know, making sure my diet is clean, unprocessed, healthy foods. I know it sounds ridiculous and it's not a solution for everybody, but that's what I would rather do. I would rather change my brain chemistry with um, all these other ways instead of with, uh, with uh, synthetic chemicals and meds. So uh, not that I don't think that's a solution for everyone else. If you want to do it, go for it. Um, but it's just my own. I, I would much rather deeply explore, uh, you know, I'd much rather try to sink into my heart, see how that feels. Can I do that next time I feel that subtle energy before the panic happens? Can I try that? Can, I'll try, I'll keep trying a million things. And to me, that's what living life is. That's what part of like just being alive is. It's just keep learning, keep trying, keep giving it a shot to see what may work and what may work today may not work tomorrow. And just, uh, you know, accepting all that. But um, so I think that's the biggest learning I've had is understanding anxiety. And then the second thing that comes to mind is the idea that societal norms do not apply to me. I know that they never have before, but I mean, now it's become even, even clearer. I'm lucky in that when I was pregnant, I never had a whole bunch of people telling me, Oh, like, are you sure you're just having one kid in there? Or like, I never had a whole bunch of people tell me inappropriate things. Thank goodness. I'm so thankful for that. Cause I've heard some horror stories, but, but, um, uh, you know, recently there's just been like kind of one person over the past year who has really been harshly critical of me, critical of my short skirts, critical of my eating habits or whatever, whatever it is. 
because this person is triggered by what's going on. So I'm just, you know, I want to stay above it and realize what other people think and say, it's not really about me. It's about them and their own struggle and their own issues, their own, whatever it is, um, competitive nature or jealousy or insecurities within themselves. I mean, I don't want anything to do with it. And so therefore brushing it off, brushing it all off, it, it has nothing to do with me. Societal norms don't apply to me and people can say whatever they want. It's okay. You know, I even had some people say, oh, when you're abandoning that, and, and it's like, well, you don't really understand me. You don't know me. You don't understand why we're doing this. We're actually doing this for the highest good of all. We're doing this for the highest good of his future medical needs. Uh, we're doing this for the highest good of my daughter, Jillian. There are, you know, it's, it's a lot more complicated and nuanced than just binary you're abandoning a disabled man. Well, how about I am providing a wonderful, supportive future for not only him, but also my daughter so that we don't have to get destitute for him to qualify for the needs that he's going to have in the future, which are pretty inevitable, unfortunately, if you know anything about this disease. Um, so, you know, societal norms don't apply to me and they never have. And anybody who wants to judge me or criticize me, uh, you know, you, you don't have to be in my world. It's okay. <laughs> you can you can keep walking on, you know, which brings me to intermittent fasting, which is one of the first things that was recommended to us, by the way, intermittent fasting too is, is, is part of like, if you do keto and intermittent fasting, awesome, awesome, awesome brain combination. So if you look up the Bredesen protocol, if you have anyone in your life or you who is diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment, which is the precursor to Alzheimer's or early onset Alzheimer's or late onset Alzheimer's, you know, the older person, Alzheimer's, fine. Um, please look up the Bredesen protocol, which involves, you know, diet, but it involves a whole lot of assessments so that you can determine why this is happening, why the atrophy is happening um, and where it's all coming from. There are 37 different pathways that are possible, that are possibilities in causing whatever uh, issue is um, creating, you know, the, the plaques and the twists. Uh, it, uh, you just got to look up Bredesen protocol and trust me on that. And you'll see that, you know, intermittent fasting, keto, it's all recommended for that. Um, and yeah, so I think those are my two biggest learnings is, um, where's my anxiety coming from and societal norms don't apply to me. And just a reminder of that, but this is like, this is not just some little gentle reminder. This is like, okay, societal norms do not apply to you. Okay. Wake up and understand that and embody that and believe it. And just be you anyway, be you anyway. So I say that with pain because I, I, I say that with pain because I still do have guilt for already having mourned the loss, right? So I, I still have all these feelings inside of me that are still processing. And so anything I'm saying, I'm saying with both pain and joy and all the complicated emotions that come with this situation. Nothing is as simple or binary or obvious black and white as I think sometimes it's easy to assume. I think complicated sums it up.
Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if we, if we try to reduce any kind of situation, like the humans are complex creatures. And what I find, what I have found is that if we take a human and we reduce them into a symbol of like either some sort of hero or some sort of like monster, I think we're really missing the nuance and complexity of that human and what's going on in their world and who they are and why they stand for what they stand for, why they have the values that they have, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I could go on and on about this, but I don't follow the typical Instagram accounts that my fellow colleague might follow. I mean, you know, and and I love David Goggins. I love Jocko. I can't remember his last name, but it starts with a W. I have an alarm with Jocko telling me, wake up. It's going to be the biggest regret of your life if you don't get out of bed right now. I mean, I like, I love that intensity and I need that intensity in my life. I need Steven, go check out an account called Steven. He does this thing called the diary of a CEO. And he made this point. It was so great. So resonated with me. It's like, look, you can't have the waffle and the six pack. Okay. You can't have them both. Like you got to choose because if you could have them both, then the waffle wouldn't taste as good. And the six pack wouldn't be as sexy at all. So you, you got to choose. You got like, do I want the waffle or do I want the six pack? And I live my life with that intensity. And I think that's why I've got this intensity of, you know, having the, having a toddler and a, and a spouse going through what he's going through, like at the same time, I, I don't know, I guess I'm, I'm attracting the intensity into my life, but it's just how I operate and how it works and in my life. So I'm okay with it. I accept it. And um, here we are. Here we are. We're getting through this. I'm rounding third. You know, like I said, um, Matt has a very loving family who is now willing to help and, um, and give him give him the love and support and assistance that he needs. So I'm very I feel very grateful and fortunate because it is too much to ask. If you go in any of these support groups of early onset, it is too much to ask one person to raise children at the same time caregive for their spouse. Okay. Like that is, uh, it is too much to ask. And I could, um, get into that a little bit deeper, but I, that's where I stand and that's what I believe. And that's how I, that's what I, that's what I'm doing to honor myself is recognizing that and recognizing, boy, I am strong and I can carry a lot and I can do a lot of things, but I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not only that I can't, but I'm not willing to do that either. Um, because what part of me would be destroyed by trying to do that? All of me would be destroyed by trying to do that. So um, it's a strange place. I'm in a very strange place, but I'm willing to be guided by God and open my heart to God and open my heart to people who are willing to help and support and have some understanding and have some compassion and love. We are grateful that you are you, Kat, and we are, um, I am 
honored to sit in the space with you and and share this moment with you and and thank you for opening up and sharing that with us thanks beth thanks for um holding space for me and uh asking me all the questions and digging in with me i really appreciate you anytime big hug <laughs> big hug Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of 10 times your creative business. Your next step is to take a screenshot of this episode, share it on Instagram and tag me or share it on any social media platform. I would love to hear from you. I want to know what your biggest takeaway is or what you can do in this episode that applies and transfers over to your business and your life. So talk to me, connect with me, but you know what would make me even happier? is if you could text me ideas for a topic or the next show that you want to hear more about. So text me all your questions, all of your topics that you want to see covered at 619-345-337. Now, if you're ready to take your business even further, the next level, then what's the harm in applying for a mentorship program? Our mentorship program is so awesome. It is very comprehensive for all of your business needs, especially as a creative. Hello, I'm a fellow creative. I'm distracted by all the shiny things. You are not meant to do this alone. You are meant to be fully supported. And one of the best ways to get that support is through a mentorship. So apply at musictherapyed.com slash mentorship. I hope to see you on Instagram text and in our mentorship program. All right, be well, feel good, and make music.